Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is uh, Alex Tepchenko. He's a research scientist at the Stanford Consortium for Regenerative Medicine, which is part of the University of California, San Diego, and in La Jolla, California. So, Alex, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I wanted to talk about some recent work you've been doing where you're using graphene to help uh, people's hearts and uh, possibly also gold. So I wanted to mm-hmm. hear a little bit about what you're, what you're up to. Yeah. So um, graphene is the wonder material. Uh, recently rediscovered and finding a lot of applications uh, in all kinds of uh, industry. So hopefully pretty soon we're going to have much better cell phones where instead of battery we would have graphene-based capacitor chargers. So you can actually charge your phone really quickly, like just plug it in and it's ready to go. The interesting feature of graphene, hopefully... (laughs) The interesting feature of graphene is it's very compatible with biology, and this is a very essential thing. Graphene essentially is a 2D crystal, two-dimensional crystal of carbon atoms, and that means no heavy metals, uh, nothing to worry about if you want to put that inside a human or animal for for research purposes. So... uh, that's exactly what we were doing, and uh, we utilized graphene to enable optical excitation of living excitable tissues for research purposes and hopefully treatment. So what does that mean, opto-excitation, meaning um, you shine light on implanted graphene or graphene that was next to human heart cells or in a human heart? Or what was the mechanism by which uh, you were? Right, yeah. So... Um, very close, actually, yeah. It's the correct, and thanks for uh, getting it so quickly. Uh, so, essentially, the way uh, I'll start with research part, okay? The way okay. research is done today, you culture cells, preferably human stem cells, derived cells like cardiomyocytes and neurons, and you want to test different uh, future drugs on them. So, the way you do it, you would have cells in a microtite plate, somewhere control cells where you're not applying the drug. Next to them would be the cells where you apply the drug and you see whether there is a difference. And if your drug is a successful candidate, hopefully it will cure that particular disease you're fighting against. Uh, The problem today is cardiomyocytes are spontaneously contracting in cell culture just uh, at their normal leisurely pace. Uh, and that's what people use today without um, extra going to extra effort to stimulate cells to mimic the heart condition. So if you are testing a drug, let's say, against tachycardia, where heart beating irregular, today mm-hmm. it's not enabled. In 99% cases, it's not enabled. So you are not testing the drug, making cells beating irregularly. And that's what our technology, graphene-based optical excitation, enables essentially uh, by using different flashes of light you command cells to go with certain pace how does that work does the graphene bind to the heart cells and you're able to 
you know, stimulate the graphene with uh, with light, and then that what sends an electrical current to stimulate the cell. Right. What's the mechanism by which it does it? Pretty close. Yes. So essentially, um, the graphene, uh, this 2D crystal of carbon, the way this particular one, the material, uh, is organized, uh, it has uh, loose electrons which require very little energy, uh, extra energy to get actually uh, on conduction. That's why graphene is so conductive under room temperature, so much more conductive than copper, let's say, or gold. So we are using light photons of light as an extra energy to actually push the electrons which are loosely connected to graphene crystal uh, to get out of their particular spots and create like a cloud of electrons uh, for a short period of time uh, just outside or close the graphene surface. So if there next to the graphene surface you would have excitable cells essentially uh, cells would feel that electricity jolt and would respond to a command. And the beauty of this thing is it very quickly goes on and goes off, real quickly in femtosecond mm. time scale. So you can essentially command cells to go uh, at the pace you want. So if you want to create a, uh, let's say, heart fibrillation situation, you just uh, shine the light very quickly in a series of pulses, and that's it. You create the right condition. Okay. I see what you mean. So if you want to model a fast, irregular heartbeat, you can do that by choosing the pulse length and frequency exactly. and all that, right? Okay. Right. Yes. And then, and then what, in, in, in the lab, you'd have the cells, you'd stimulate them, then you administer a drug to the cells in the lab. Now you recreate right. the conditions that would be inside only a few human bodies, and you can see if the drug has any effect. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly true. And uh, just to add here one, one comment, uh, out of all drugs we have today on the market, only few of them, uh, usually discovered by serendipity, they have a unique quality. And these are drug molecules which are act only when the particular protein they're working against is in action. So the more action is there, the more effect of a drug. And good example of what I'm talking about would be a pain situation. So if, God forbid, somebody has a dental pain and goes to a dentist, and they'll inject something into your jaw, and you're going to have half of your face numb for three hours. Ideally, you want a drug which is not going to block anything. You will still feel your face, but block the pain. And the more pain you have, the more block drug will do. So right. these types of experiments are not possible, well, uh, with a few exceptions, are not possible uh, on today's drug discovery landscape, and our uh, technology actually enables us to do that. Um, I can see why uh, you know, you'd be able to tell if a drug can, can reduce the negative effect of the stimulus, but in the body, I mean, wouldn't you have a feedback loop? You know, whatever's causing the heart to beat fast and irregularly, they you give a drug, mm -hmm. and that counteracts the effect. Right. But, I mean, here in the lab, you can continue to administer it and keep the heart. Right. Or try to keep the heart like that. I mean, what, how do you know that the drug truly works? Because you don't really have the feedback mechanism. Uh, usually, you would have a readout of some kind. And in a lab conditions, it's very easy. You're absolutely right. You need the feedback, guaranteed, 100%. So... Uh, when we culture cells, the graphene-coated surface is semi-transparent or largely transparent. So graphene, 
one layer of uh, 2D graphene crystal takes absorbs 2.3% of light, which is nothing. By naked eye, you, you would not be able to see the difference uh, if you will look at through the glass non-coated versus coated with one layer. So we can put several layers of graphene in, uh, on the surface, and uh, then you would still see the cells through the surface, and that's going to be your feedback. You will see them contracting more or contracting less. And in our paper we published, we do have videos kind of demonstrating the same effect. So, so you're hoping that <clears throat> there's something in the body is causing fast irregular heartbeat, and you're modeling right. that, and you administer right. a certain drug. You're, what you're hoping to see is that the effect of the stimulus is less because of the drug. That's exactly true. Yes, absolutely. You, okay. You're absolutely correctly describing the situation. Uh, main point is when heart starts fibrillating, I'm talking about one particular example here so that's not right. the only condition but once heart starts fibrillating one of the problems is especially in elderly patients uh atp mitochondria atp supply of a heart has limited capacity unlike really world-class athletes usually elderly people have less support so fibrillation causing heart to contract faster in short period of time may deplete essentially that and then heart can stop and ideally, your drug should exactly prevent that, slowing down the situation when kind of naturally feels that the heart is, is not big. Okay. Um, what other uses do you think that this will be good for? Do you think that um, you'd be able to make a, um, a graphene-based pacemaker and you'd get the light maybe fiber optically to the right spot Correct. to keep the heart stimulated properly? Is that a possibility? Yes, that's exactly true. Absolutely. So... Uh, Today, uh, pacemakers are great tools to help people survive and actually live the life rather than being dead from a heart attack. Uh, the problem, which I discovered myself recently, I didn't know about that. The problem is that gold or platinum electrodes, which you have to stick into the heart wall, essentially, in heart tissue, to stimulate, uh, these electrodes, although they are absolutely like gold, they are not oxidized they still are foreign for uh, heart tissue and heart mm. starts to slowly fight against that and regularly these, these things emit current. So heart starts to form a scar tissue around the electrode slowly. So after heart uh, pacemaker implant for two years, three years, it's working fine. But then in four or five years, suddenly electrical condition of that pacemaker is decreasing. Uh, efficiency is decreasing and you need to essentially take it out and put it in a little different place. And considering that most patients with uh, uh, pacemakers, they're like 60, just think about it. So if somebody gets uh, pacemaker at 60, around 67, 68, open heart surgery is not the best right. option. Yeah. So we are sincerely hoping that graphene, which looks like it doesn't have any side effects of things like gold or platinum would be natural substitution in that case. And you're absolutely right. We can have the light delivered there, essentially, and that would be very uh, non-invasive and good way to help the heart. Yeah, I could see this would be really helpful in all kinds of implants in the body. Um, right. Yeah, I, I can see it have tons of uses. That's awesome. That's exactly true. Yeah. So 
uh, we are looking at the possibility to use it exactly as you said, uh, different ways, and uh, optically driven pacemaker would be one great possibility to do it. Second, of course, which comes to mind would be the eye, and uh, one thing is uh, there is a disease called macular degeneration. A lot of people are suffering from that where the eye of the person works perfectly. All connections to the brain are preserved. Only photoreceptors at the back of the eyeball, which are sensing light, they are deteriorating due uh, to the okay. condition. So all you have to do, essentially, is to provide a uh, converter from light to electricity, and that's what graphene does. And you can restore vision to a certain extent for that particular condition. Development uh, like that would be absolutely. Oh, it would be like a, a, an implant of a, I guess, yeah, a retina, like a graphene-based right. uh, retina. Okay. Exactly, hmm. yes. Wow. And I guess other yeah. implants that go in the body right now, if you're able to coat them with graphene of X number of layers, not only would you protect them from attacks from the body, but maybe Correct. you could modulate their, their function because you could deliver electricity electricity selectively to different parts of the implant to the whole implant if that would help exactly. the system. Right. No, absolutely. And that's in the plans. So graphene is indeed a wonderful material. I'm still fascinated how versatile it is. And uh, in our experiments, when we were uh, testing graphene for the first time with cells, we actually had the surface where you normally culture cells on. And the surface was partially coated with graphene, like with a border. Uh, we were surprised to see that cells actually will migrate, will crawl from graphene-free surface to the graphene surface and uh, feel better. So essentially, we've done experiments that in our publication confirming the survival rate of uh, cell cells in the culture is higher, actually, on graphene-treated material. And that kind of makes sense scientific. Yes, go ahead. Sorry. Does that mean it would be suitable as a scaffolding for, you know, reconstructive uh, surgery? Yep, exactly. That's what we're thinking about. And if you think about it, usually plastic, which is most of the uh, materials used today for, for, for surgery, or some kind of combination plastic, silicon, glass, these all are dielectric. These are non-conductive. But if you think about it, is in our body, there are not many non-conductive tissues. So heart is extremely conductive. Fantastically, it's one of the most conductive. Our brain is very conductive. So right now, we are talking, hopefully, when we are not sleeping, you and me, it's all electrical activity in neurons in our brains. Yeah. Re create speech, recognize words, and make us communicate, right? right. So essentially, um, I think one of the key elements here would be the high electrical conductance of graphene, which makes it very attractive as a potential, you're absolutely right, scaffolding for uh, a lot of transplanting. So I would guess there's there's got to be a lot of experimentation where, you know, graphene is being put next to various tissues in the lab, and they're seeing Correct. the interaction between tissue and graphene. What, what kind of um, results have you seen from that? Um, you know, so, if you yeah. give, if you let's say you give like a low level charge or a certain kind of frequency to the graphene, does that change how it interacts with tissue? Uh, so essentially, first of all, we've done extensive uh, study on making the situation exactly testing different uh, 
types of uh, tissues close to graphene, we figured out that uh, you need to modify graphene in a correct way to make it biocompatible. And that goes towards the chemistry of how graphene has been made. So chemists, not biologists, although they are making clean graphene, it's uh, cells still die on it. And you have to make a special effort to make it biocompatible. But once it's biocompatible, uh, it seems like so far we tried several cell lines in three tissues, the uh, brain neurons, cardiac tissue, and the glial cells, and all of them were absolutely better on graphene surfaces comparatively to non-graphene. So essential educated guess is graphene is really good scaffolding material for a lot of process work. Okay. Um, <clears throat> because of its electrical properties, you know, in addition mm -hmm. to the heart-related stuff, what else do you think could uh, you, you? What else could you help modulate in the body? Because graphene again has these electrical properties. Have they thought of anything else? So um, I'm sure it's going to find its way in pain research. Uh, pain is very useful thing for your body. Actually, it alerts you from uh, uh, when some kind of danger, hot iron close to you or something, uh, uh, may damage you. So essentially, pain is. However. In neuropathic pain, when somebody plays ten, uh, tennis a lot and you have the tennis elbow, or dental pain when you already know that it's broken, it's just pain. So I definitely see the possibility to counter, uh, very tough to, to conquer pain uh, situations where you can actually alleviate or remove pain using uh, graphene-based uh, electrical stimulation because you can make neurons not to transfer specific signals doing um, graphene optical stimulation. So, uh, yeah, we have uh, here a small company, a nanotools bioscience startup, where uh, we are trying to, uh, trying to see what other uses. Have you seen that graphene, can it cause tissues to grow? You know, what, what you think it might help nerves regrow or uh, other other So, uses? yes, that's a great question, absolutely. So, so far, uh, in experimental conditions where we tried, essentially we do have tissue growth, uh, and that's normal procedure for uh, attaching cells for drug discovery purposes, as I mentioned earlier. So it looks like they're growing better on graphene, and if you create special conditions to stimulate their growth, they're behaving even better. So that would be one direction uh, to definitely see whether you can make cells growing faster, better, and more resembling the cells inside our bodies. Yeah, really interesting. So That's is your primary focus going to be to um, to work with, uh, to help the testing of new heart drugs, or are there multiple focuses you have in your company? So essentially, it's uh, actually it's not my company. Uh, the uh, company CEO is Elena Malakanova, my collaborator. Uh, but essentially, the first application be, as we discussed, probably drug discovery. It's where clearly the need is. And we know that pretty quickly assess that part. And the next steps would be to see what kind of, indeed, either prosthetic or specific uh, detent target inside human body. And 
two of obvious ones with the cardiac pacemaker and potentially uh, working. Uh, we will see what else because it doesn't stop there. There are possibilities to some other things like maybe treat certain cancer, but uh, that's the far in or further in Or how do you envision that graphene could help treat cancers? Uh, certain type of cancer cells. So if cell is alive, in general, in our body, if any cell is alive, it maintains by itself transmembrane potential. So uh, electricity inside cell has negative charge, and that's cell-sustainable, as long as cell is alive. And usually that's around minus 70 millivolts comparatively to the outside. This is very essential for cells which are proliferating, like cancer cells. That's essential for other cells as well, of course. But uh, if uh, we can create a situation where we can change that or stimulate cancer cells out of their comfort zone, they are going to open a lot of ion channels on the surface and let the wrong ions in and eventually die of overload of probably like calcium overload. So that's one way the research can go to see whether we can optically stimulate specifically cancer cells to actually kill them in natural way, kind of, without chemotherapy, without radiation, without anything else, by just overstimulating. <clears throat> okay, gotcha. What's um, uh, any major bottlenecks or difficulties with graphene that you see, or is it truly just a wonder substance? I mean, is it hard <laughs> to produce? Is it uh, anything you see makes it difficult? Uh, yeah, the way, uh, so first of all, it's very new technology and very new material. So uh, some of the difficulties are in human mind. People are not used to think about it and uh, make use of something which is very new. That's one challenge, guarantee. Uh, some other challenges include mainly today there is no one uh, unified way. It's very new still developing area, one way to make a biocompatible graphene. And the way they, they make in graphene, uh, these ways are vastly different from lab to lab. So one of the things which is a challenge, we know how to make our graphene, and we have beautiful results with biology. Uh, I know that there were two or three papers saying, oh, graphene is extremely toxic. And then you have to look at the way people are making these things. And if you're using, let's say, lead filters to filter our graphene, I can easily imagine why it's going to be very toxic. So yeah, there are some challenges associated. And b both of them, both graphenes would be so-called called chemically clean because the, the amount of, of uh, plumbum, the amount of lead would be minuscule. But cells are perfectly dying. They, you cannot cheat biology, essentially. Uh, our cells are very sensitive to this type of thing. They will be the best indicator showing something. So, yeah, there are several serious challenges in adopting graphene technology so far, and um, we are working on it, of course. Well, very good. So what, what's uh, ahead for you over the next year? You know, what's on your roadmap, and what do you think will be happening? Are you close on any results? So, yeah, we are uh, hoping to substantially improve the drug discovery process for uh, drug discovery companies like Merck and Pfizer because we know that there was a big need for these guys to uh, just have the right tool to test the compounds which can save lives, essentially. And that's probably going to be priority number one. We clearly see the potential of our technology in health and uh, 
the next step would be uh, how we are going to deal either with the brain or with the heart or both in terms of uh, enabling the possibility to stimulate the right way. And so that's uh, oh, very good. plenty for one year. <laughs> Believe me, it's not easy to <laughs> It is. It's, no, it's it's going to be have a huge impact, which is great. But you're right; that is plenty. So yeah, right. very good. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So uh, you will see. I mean, uh, educated guess is graphene is a great material. It has a lot of unique properties people never utilize. So I'm pretty sure that in the next couple of years, it's going to be not only in biology, all kinds of technology development. Graphene is going to. Be. So yeah, maybe we can talk in a year or two years to see how the progress is. What's going on? Yeah, that would be great. I got one last question. I don't know if there's an answer, but sure. have you seen that graphene has any strange properties or properties that you observe that you have no clue how to use it yet for, but there may be a use right. in the future? You know, things that other people don't know or that really mystified you. So um, graphene is indeed very unique. Uh, I've been working uh, for quite a while with organic and non-organic uh, like quantum dots. See uh, whether we can actually make them for purpose in some disease. So it seems like graphene has that unique combination of properties, biocompatibility, conductance, high conductance, response to light. And uh, I would actually assume it's very strong material. So I would assume that the big underutilized area in graphene today is the unique physical strength. So just imagine that the 2D sheet of graphene can actually withstand the uh, uh, weight of elephant easily if that's going to be like three feet by three feet sheet. So elephant can, can stand there, no problem, uh, the, the, the pressure wow. will hold. So I would assume that that alone will make it into prosthetics, especially a joint type situation, your hips and stuff where we need extremely strong materials which are biocompatible and take very little space. So that's one definitely unutilized feature. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Alex, this is okay. awesome stuff you're doing, and I really appreciate your time coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.